Now, as you are able, would you please remain standing for the reading of the word, which today will be done by one of our high school students, Elin DeVault. I will be reading out of Genesis 1, verses 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, and over every, every living creature that moves along the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he made, and it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, thank you, Elin, and thank you for dressing appropriately today. Appreciate that. <laughs> I noticed a lot less football jerseys during this service. I guess everyone went to the early service to get ready for the game. Maybe there's some of you watching online in your football jerseys, but we are excited to have you all in, in worship and service today. Uh, it's been a great morning so far, and let's keep it going. So, um, this last week, my, my four-year-old son, he had a little bit of a cough, and so we were kind of keeping him away from his normal activities, and, uh, and including some church activities. And, and so we, we told him, hey, you know, you're not going to get to go to church today. And he was, he was pretty bummed. He loves being here, loves being a part of this. He said, oh, man, I, I don't get to go and see my friends. And he was pretty sad about that, which was nice and sweet. And so, you know, being the good, wonderful, supportive, loving dad, the fixer of the family, um, I immediately went and grabbed my phone and I pulled up a picture of my son and his friends. And I said, here you go. Now you've seen your friends. No more problems, right? And, uh, and he looked at me and just said, you know, dad, that's not really them, right? That's just a picture of them. I want to really see them. And so he chose to go to the negative side of the picture of the image but the reality is probably everyone in this room understands that, that a picture can hold great value. It can hold great worth to you. It can be very important because a picture does have the image. It reminds us of someone or something, a, a moment of time, a place that we've been to. I mean, there's a reason why every cell phone company is, is focusing on making the cameras in the phones better and better and better because people want good quality pictures that they can hold on to, that they can take instantly, so they have those memories that they can hold on to for as long as they want. Because when we see a picture of a loved one or, or, or a certain time in our life, it stirs something up in us. It stirs some sort of emotion, reminding us of the thing that the image is all about. And there were some kings back in ancient days that would take this idea of imagery and knowing the imagery points to something, and they use this for their advantage, Right? They would build statues in distant lands that they ruled. If they couldn't be there, if it wasn't the, the kingdom where the, the, the castle was, they would put a statue there to remind the people that, that I am your leader. And so when people would see that, they would remember who their king was. And if the king ever showed up and maybe he hadn't been seen there for a while, they would know who he was because they recognized him from his image. His image, his likeness is what they saw and knew 
that's our king. And so when he, the real person, would show up, they would recognize the king. The truth is, is that the kings really stole this idea from God. Because God did this with his creation. God created and he rules and reigns over creation. And yet on the earth, on his creation, he put his image for all to see. But he didn't do it by building statues. No, he did it in a very unique way that we just read about. So if you got a Bible, open up to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be at the end of chapter 1 and the begin, uh, well, and really throughout chapter 2 a little bit. We're going to kind of bounce back and forth because chapter 2 kind of zooms in on the verses that we just read at the very end of chapter 1. So we've been doing a series in the book of Genesis and looking at the beginning of things. We've been talking about the beginning of creation and the beginning of the world and the beginning of people and brokenness and sin and, and all these different things. We're, we're getting into that throughout this series because we need to understand where things started to understand where things are at now and where they're going in the future. And so the very first week we, we looked and saw that, you know, in the beginning was God, that he is the one who was there in the beginning, that he is the center of the story. He is the center of the universe. He is the creator of all things. He is the central figure in the story of the Bible. He is the reason that everything was made, that everything in existence exists because of and for God. So whether we like it or not, all of creation, all of humanity, throughout all of time, exists because of and for God. He is the one that the whole story is about that we all need to point to. And Dustin said last week that the very first question that we, we have to ask ourselves that comes up in Scripture is, are we putting trust in the one true God? And so last week, Dustin walked us through the story of creation, and we saw how God created all things. And I want to remind us of a couple of points in there that, that we see God's power, we see his glory, we see his might, but we also see what creation was supposed to look like. That over and over and over again, God created, he spoke into life, and we see that it was good. And we need to remember that because we live in a time where things are not necessarily always good. Creation is not always super friendly to us. You ever stayed out in the sun a little bit too long? Gotten a nice sunburn? Moments like that make you be like, ah, creation, it's, uh, it's not quite right. It's broken. You know, the truth is, is that we've been covering a lot of what is good, and we want to remember what is good, and, uh, and see that, because next week, we're going to see how things start to fall apart. So, right, all, all good for the first three weeks, and then it's going to go quickly downhill next week, which, depending on how the Niners do today, may fit my mood for next week as well. So, <laughs> next week could be really dark. Um, but here's the thing, throughout all that, we're also going to see hope. We're going to see a way that things are restored because at the end of the story, things are back to the way things were meant to be in the beginning. And so throughout creation, we see that all was good. And in God's good creation, he said, okay, I've created everything, I rule and I reign, and now I'm going to place my image, my likeness in the world so that all of creation recognizes me as what I'm supposed to be, the one true king. And this is how he did it. In chapter 1, verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. See, God created us. He created humanity. And he created us in his image. We bear his image, his likeness. We are that image, that representation for all of creation of the one true king. 
Our lives are meant to be a reflection of his glory and his goodness. We are meant to live in this world in a way that demonstrates the way God would rule and reign and live in this world. That's who we are. And yet we can see, again, that things are not always the way they should be. So let's focus on where things started and we'll see maybe how we get to where we're at today and how we kind of live this out in our world today. So let's back up to the last two verses that Dustin brought us through last week. Genesis chapter 1, verses 24 and 25 say this. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. So here at the beginning of day six, God has created all of living creatures, plants and animals, and they're all created according to their kind. They're created uniquely. They're created different than humanity. And it was all good, but something was missing. And so verse 26 begins to show where God went from there. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And that's exactly what God did. He took his image and he placed it in mankind and he created humans different from the rest of creation. And he said that now they will be my image bearers in the world that will point all of creation to the creator. They'll point my kingdom to the king. They'll point the world to God, the one who this is all about. Now we need to recognize a couple things here. We need to recognize that, that all of humanity is made in the image of God. And yet not all choose to live as image bearers of God. See, Christians, atheists, it doesn't matter anything in between. Like we are all made in the image of God, but not all belong to the family of God. Because many take that image and they live for their own glory. They use it for their own glory and for their own benefit and for their own gain, rejecting God and his ways and his plans. And it's only those who have received the gift of Jesus Christ, who have received the gift of faith in Jesus Christ and put their trust in him that live properly as image bearers of Christ. But we need to recognize that all of humanity, this is the starting place, was made in the image of God, is made in the image of God. And that separates us from all the rest of creation. And it changes many things about us. As a matter of fact, there's three ways I think scripture tells us that this makes us different. Three things that, that are different about God's image bearers than the rest of creation. So the first thing is this, that it, we have a different relationship with God. We have a different relationship with God. I'm going to flip over to chapter 2, and I want to read verse 7 to you, because this really is the beginning of the creation of mankind. And, and we're going to see, again, chapter 2 is a zoomed-in focus of the creation of mankind. So we get these, these verses at the end of chapter 1 that say he made us in his image, that we are his likeness. And then chapter 2 really kind of focuses on some of the, the why and, and some other things along that, those lines. So chapter 2, verse 7 says this, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So on one hand, this is a very humiliating verse, right? Like humanity is nothing more than the dust of the ground. 
God has created everything. He spoke everything. Remember, he created everything out of nothing. He spoke things into existence. And then he takes part of his creation, a lowly part, the dust, and he picks that up and he forms humanity. And so in a way, this should be a humbling moment for us, that we are reminded once again that the story is not about us. We are simply dust on the ground. But there's a connection to God that doesn't exist with the rest of creation. See, it says that God breathed the breath of life into the nostrils of the man. And I look and think of this connection of, uh, of, of someone doing CPR and breathing air into someone's lungs, giving them life through their own breath. But I also think of Disney princess movies. Like you think about Snow White and maybe like Sleeping Beauty, right? They're put into this deep eternal sleep and only true love's kiss can bring them back to life. And this is the moment where I see God having that intimacy, that connection, that love for his people and only through his breath does humanity gain life and his image is placed in them. Now I know I've lost some men in the room who are like intimacy gross, um, but we are all the bride of Christ so you're just gonna have to deal with that one. There's a connection to God that doesn't exist with the rest of creation. It's unique for his image bearers. As a matter of fact, even the name of God here speaks to the difference that we have from the rest of creation. See, in chapter one, throughout the story of creation, God in our English language is referred to simply as God. That is the Hebrew word Elohim. And Elohim would draw an imagery of a divine being who is all-powerful, who is glorious, who sits on the throne. And this was oftentimes the word that was used for the creator. It spoke to power. And this is the place where we really should start because it speaks to this, this fear and trembling, this awe that we should have before God. That he is Elohim. He is different. He is unique. He is separate. He is not to be taken lightly. And all the rest of creation only really gets Elohim. They see God the creator. But here, in verse 7, and it starts actually in chapter 2, verse 4, the name changes. It goes from God to the Lord God, or from Elohim to Yahweh Elohim. And so Yahweh was the unique name that God gave to the nation of Israel, to God's people, to know him by name. So with the word Yahweh or Lord in, in our English text, there's an intimacy, there's a connection, a personal relationship. And so when we look and we see Elohim, we see the God who is powerful and almighty and sits on his throne in glory. But Yahweh is the God who comes to us, seeks a relationship, who is loving, filled with grace and mercy, drawing people into relationship with him. And these two things don't contradict one another. They work perfectly together in unison. This is the nature of God to humanity, to his image bearers. That he draws us, he invites us into relationship. Now, nothing else in creation gets this. Right? Some of you are going to go home and you're going to go home and you're going to see your, your, your cat. Any cat people in the room? Cat people in the room? I don't get you. I don't get cat people. I don't get cats in general. Uh, I'm not really a big pet person, but if I were, I would be a dog person, all right? Cats, they're mean, they claw, they sleep, and they just look angry all the time. <laughs> but here's the thing. You go home, and, and your cat is not going to be on its knees praying for its kittens that their souls would be saved, 
Like, that's not going to happen. Right, like we had a, a prayer and praise night in here on Friday night, and, and, and Whiskers is not going and like gathering its cat friends and saying, hey, let's have a moment of just worshiping God and like praying for our kittens and praying for our owners and praying for everything else that's going on in the world. No, animals don't think like that. Plants are not thinking like that because they're not made in the image of God. We are. And so our draw, our connection to our Father comes from our likeness, comes from his image being implanted in us. It's what allows us to see him, to know him, to know the gift of Jesus Christ who came for humanity, who came for us to give his life as a sacrifice for us so that we could be drawn back into relationship with God. We have a different relationship with God as God's image bearers. The second thing is this, that we have a different relationship with the rest of creation. The rest of the created universe simply exists and does what's best for itself. But humanity has a different call on it. As a matter of fact, in chapter 1, verse 28, it says this. In talking about Adam and Eve, it says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And so we as humanity actually have a call to rule and to reign on this world. Now, some people are probably thinking, Hey, that's great. I love being in charge, right? Like I love ruling and leading and, and taking authority over everything. This is awesome. And some are looking at me like, hey, I don't think that we should have that responsibility because I think people have done a good job of messing up the world. The reality is, is that while we have a, a biblical call to subdue the earth, to bring it into order out of chaos, we oftentimes, we take our biblical command to rule and to reign, and we do it for our own glory rather than for the glory of God. And so God is not asking us to lead and to rule so that we can have gain, so that we can have comfort, so that we can have glory, but to point all of creation to him. And so people were placed on this earth and actually have a biblical mandate to build cities and towns and bridges and roads and, and, and buildings and towers and, 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 and all these different things to take the world and, and bring it into order. As a matter of fact, the, the language that is used in the next couple of verses is gardening language. And you know that a garden thrives when a good gardener takes good care of it. And this is what he says we're supposed to do with the world. Now, do we always get this right? No, because we are on the other side of brokenness, of sin entering the world. But we have a call to look at creation and to say, I want to point all of the world to God and to demonstrate his glory across every nation on earth. So we have a different relationship with God. We have a different relationship with creation. And third, we have a different relationship with one another. We have a different relationship with one another. The way we relate to, this means a couple things, right? The way we relate to humanity is going to be different than the way we relate to our pets, our animals, or to plants or any other thing. You can care about living things, but when it comes down to it, if someone runs into a burning building and, and there is a human child or, or, or a pet dog, you're going to save the child first. And most every human understands that at their core because we have the image of God planted on us. And so we know that humanity, that God's image bearers, have high value, not just to us, but to the one true king. Now let's look at how this plays out. In chapter 2, verse 18, it says this, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. 
I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now, a couple things I want to point out here really quickly that, that first of all, this is the first time in the creation story that God looks and says it's not good. Over and over and over again, we see it is good, it is good, it is good. And here he says it is not good. Now, I could easily make the joke that if God had created woman first, he would have been like, yeah, they're fine on their own, but I'm not going to do that. Because really, that's not what it's about. This is not about man being, uh, being left alone, like it's not good being left alone without the woman. This is about God's image bearers being made for relationship and not being right, not being complete without relationships. If we are made in the image of God, then we need to understand that God is a relational God. He has relationship within the Trinity. And so if he made us in his image, then he made us for relationships. And so you need someone else and someone else needs you because it's not good for man to be alone. The second thing I want to point out because this verse is sometimes uh, brought out in fear or maybe used in, in, in an abusive way at times, but there's the word helper in there when it talks about the woman being created, that Adam needed a helper. And so some will look at that and be like, whoa, that's demeaning, right? Like that means like a sidekick, like a servant, like someone who is just there to meet the needs of the man. That's not what is being said here. The word help, helper here actually really means an essential partner. As a matter of fact, this word helper is, is used to describe God's relationship with Israel. Later in scripture, he would be called the helper to the nation of Israel. So it is an essential partner that Adam needs. And so it continues on in verse 19. It says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. So what's happening here is Adam is living out his biblical mandate, his call from God to rule and reign over the world and to bring it into order. Right? So he's naming all the animals. This is not like Steve and Sarah and John and Susan, right? Like, that's not the name. It's like, hey, giraffe, hippopotamus, platypus. Why that one? I don't know, but whatever. Uh, like, like the, he's bringing order to the chaos. But there's something else that is happening here. As these animals are presented before Adam, he's realizing that these are not the one for him. It says, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And so what we need to understand, what's being drawn out by the text here is that what Adam is doing is he's saying, that's not like me, that's not like me, that's not like me, that's not like me, that's not like me. And he's realizing he needs something more. Now, this isn't about the ability to help. I mean, have you ever helped someone move? Imagine how much easier that would be if you had some elephant friends come in and do it for you. Like, are there animals that are created that could be helpful to humans? Yes, of course there are. But it's not about whether or not they can succeed in accomplishing tasks. It's Adam looking and saying, that these do not have the image of God on them. These are not co-image bearers. And so Adam's heart is being prepared to receive the gift that God has in store for him. And this is what it says in verse 22. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And so we just had the verse about Adam not finding a suitable helper. 
not finding one who was like him. And then when the woman is brought before Adam, the first thing he focuses on is not the differences between them, but the sameness, the image of God that is before him, a co-image bearer. And he says, this, this is someone like me. This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She is like me. She is an image bearer of God. And this is the way that we need to look at humanity. This is the way we need to look at every other person we meet and every person that we don't meet. We need to understand that they are made in the image of God. And if we understand that about every person, it changes things. So I want to talk specifically to the Christians in the room here for a minute. If you are here exploring the faith, we are so grateful that you joined us. You get let off the hook here for a minute. I mean, I hope this is for you. But for Christians, there is no choice. If we are worshiping the one true king, and we are pursuing him, and we understand that it is his image implanted on us, in his image that everyone else is made in, it's going to change some conversations. It's going to change the way we live. Uh, and this is going to change the way we talk about gender equality. Because we look and we see that man and woman are both made in the image of God. It's going to change conversations about racial reconciliation. Oh, of course we're going to pursue that because we see from, from, from the Bible, from Scripture itself, that there is no master race but no matter what color your skin is, you are made in the image of God. This is why we have conversations about things like human trafficking and why we understand that, that slavery is abhorrent. Because we see the evil in it. Because we know that an image bearer of God is not meant to be owned by someone else. This is why we serve the poor and the broken and the homeless and those on the fringes. Because we know that they are image bearers and we can't look at them and see their needs and just be okay with it. This is why the church believes what it believes about abortion and the sanctity of life. Because we believe that from the moment of conception, a human life is formed, an image of God is formed. And we treat it as such, whether it's in the womb or outside of the womb. And so as Christians, we have to get this right. This is why when Jesus was asked what the grace commandment, he didn't respond with one, he responded with two. He said, number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He could have stopped there. Everyone would have been happy. They would have been satisfied. They would have said, oh yeah, that makes sense. But I can see them almost turning and walking away and being like, all right, he got the answer right. And they said, hold, hold on. There's a second. And it's like the first. See, if you love God, really love him, then the second thing you're going to do is you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. Because you're going to see God's image on every person you encounter. This is our call as followers of Christ. To not live for our own glory, but to live for the glory of the one who we represent. And here's what it was supposed to look like. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. It said, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. See, through all creation, God said, is it good? It is good. It is good. And then on the sixth day, he places his image in this world. He places his likeness in this world. He sends his image bearers into the world to rule and to reign over creation, to be in relationship with him, and to love the other image bearers the way that he would. And when that was happening, he looked and said, this is, 
beyond good. This is very good. See, we follow the example of Jesus Christ, the perfect image bearer, who reminds us how we are supposed to live. That even though he was God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But instead, he chose to humble himself by serving, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, he showed us what it means to relate to God, to rule and reign for God's glory, and to love others as himself. And Christians, this is what we're supposed to live out. We live understanding and knowing whose image is implanted on us. And we rejoice and worship the one true king, giving thanks that he has made us in his image, allowing us to be in relationship with him, allowing us to love and to serve him here and now in this world. And we commit our lives to pointing all of creation to the creator, pointing all of humanity to the one whose image they are made in. That's our call. And when we get this right, God says it is very good. Let's pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for the creative ways that you lead and love and rule in this world. God, we give you thanks that you chose people like us to be your image bearers, to represent you, to bring the world into order, to be in relationship with you, and to love one another the way you have loved us. So God, I pray that we would have eyes to see the way that you see, to not see the differences in people and that which divides us, but to see your image. God, to love our brothers and sisters in Christ as family, as your sons and daughters, and to love those who don't know you, who are living in sin, to show them how great and wonderful and amazing you are. So God, help us to live as proper and true image bearers, as representatives of you. Thank you for including us in your work. We love you and pray these things in your son's name. Amen.